episode of the Two Broke 20-somethings podcast. This is our first episode in the month of February, um, and all of the episodes in the month of February will be dedicated to the theme of Black History Month. Yeah, so um, basically we're going to be honoring the triumphs and the struggles of African Americans throughout U.S. history this month, um, including the civil rights movements, their artistic and cultural and political achievements. Um, since 1976, every American president has designated February as Black History Month and endorsed a specific theme for it. This year, um, the theme is Black Health and Wellness, and that theme is going to explore the legacy of not only Black scholars and medical practitioners in the Western medicine, but also like birth workers, midwives, um, herbalists, all those kind of like STEM fields. So uh, yeah, like uh, the 2022 theme considers activities, rituals, initiatives, communities have contributed to American history um and all of that's going to be like linked in the uh show notes from history.com so take a look to learn more yeah so in recognition of the Black History Month 2022 theme which Celeste said was Black Health and Wellness this week's episode will be dedicated to Black Americans in the health and wellness industry so we're going to Um, recognize 12 um, Black Americans who contributed to this field. And the first one's name is James McCune Smith. Um, He was born in 1813 and died in 1865. And he was actually the first Black American to obtain a medical degree. Um, He was an abolitionist and he was also a writer. The second one is Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler. She was the first Black American woman to obtain a medical degree and the first Black American to publish a medical book. Number three is Mary Eliza Mahoney, and she was the first Black American licensed nurse. Our fourth one is Dr. Daniel Hale Williams. He was born in 1856 and died in 1931. Surgeon, he was a surgeon and founder of the first hospital to have interracial staff, and one of the first physicians in history to perform open heart surgery. Number five is Dr. Solomon Carter Fuller. He was born in 1872 and died in 1953. He was the first Black American psychiatrist, and he was a pioneer in understanding the treatment for Alzheimer's disease. Number six is Dr. Ruth Ella Moore, born in 1903 and died in 1994. She was the first Black American to earn a PhD in the natural sciences, and she was a researcher in infectious diseases. Number seven is Dr. Jane Cook Wright. Uh, She was born in 1919 and died in 2013. She was the first Black American woman to be named Associate Dean of a medical school. She was also a cancer researcher and a chronic disease treatment pioneer. Next, we have Dr. Patricia Bath, born in 1942, died in 2019. She was an ophthalmologist, an inventor, and a laser scientist. She made significant contributions to blindness prevention, treatment, and care. Number nine is Dr. William G. Coleman Jr. He was born in 1942 and died in 2014. He was the first permanent black scientific director of the NIH Intramural Research Program, and he was director of the NIH National Institute on Minority Health and Health Disparities. Number 10 is Dr. May Jeminson. Her birth was 1956. She is still alive today, and she was the first black woman in outer space. She was an astronaut, a physician, a global health activist and a technology entrepreneur. Number 11 was Marilyn Hughes Gaston. She was born in 1939. Um, She was a pediatrician, 
the first black woman appointed director of the Health Resources and Services Administration's Bureau of Primary Healthcare, and she was also a sickle cell researcher. And finally, we have Dr. Kazmika Corbett. She was a scientist at the National Institute of Health, working directly to develop and produce the COVID-19 vaccines. And all of that information just listed was taken from afpeafitness.com, and the exact article will be linked in the show notes as well. So we actually want to dive further into um, Dr. Corbett, and we actually want to talk about someone also named um, Wansimus. We want to dive into the history of vaccines in the United States and how um, Black people have contributed to these vaccines. And so first, Celeste is going to talk about Wansimus. So Wansimus was a uh, slave um, during the colonial period. He was in particularly Boston, and he actually helped spread what would today become like almost like vaccines, like the, the method almost. So what it was back then called was variolation. And basically they would take like the samples of infected people and basically insert, insert these samples into healthy people just to give them like this smaller version, like weaker version of uh, the disease. And this helped a lot of people during the colonial period survive smallpox. They basically uh, gave their body, it acted in the same way as a vaccine in the sense that it it allowed their body to undergo an immune response like upon the infection being introduced into their into their healthy body yeah. essentially yeah 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 and so it was like super really it was really really helpful and nobody at first knew that it was you know a black man who you know spread this idea in boston and once they figured out that it was a slave who started this a lot of people started to riot in Boston because they were so unhappy that something that a black man came up with was being used to help a bunch of healthy people. But it, the people who did this variolation were able to survive at higher rates than what the people who didn't do it did. So, I mean, you can't like, you can't really fight science there. I mean, yeah. So the people who had received his treatment and his idea of taking samples from infected people and introducing them into healthy people, they, they basically found that those people were surviving at higher rates um, if they were to get smallpox later on. So basically he had discovered essentially antibodies and what happens when you introduce a virus into your body um, in a healthy amount, basically kind of like, um, well, not kind of like exactly like vaccines today. Um, and so it allowed those people to have, you know, um, a buildup of antibodies, which actually helps them fight the virus. And then this was later used to, um, or this idea was actually used later to develop the smallpox vaccine. Yeah. And so that kind of leads us into talking about Dr. Corbett um, and how she helped develop the COVID-19 vaccine, which we're going through the pandemic as we speak. So, yeah. So um, Dr. Corbett, which we mentioned before, has played a really, really, really large role in um, the development of the COVID-19 vaccine. So um, Dr. Corbett, just a little bit of background on her. She received her PhD in microbiology and immunology from UNC Chapel Hill. And currently she works as an assistant professor in immunology and infectious diseases at Harvard. So during the COVID-19 pandemic, when it first um, emerged back in 2020, she began working with a team at the National Institutes of Health or the NIH to develop the Moderna vaccine for COVID-19. 
And in 2021, she was actually a part of the Bostonians of the year. So additional to Wensimus, um, Dr. Corbett is from Boston as well. And despite all of this, despite a um, Black woman, you know, pioneering through the COVID-19 vaccine and making such a great discovery and contributing so much, honestly, to the field of health and science um, during this time, in a 2020 poll, only 55% of Black Americans actually said that they would receive the vaccines, even if it were deemed safe. Um, but Fauci, Dr. Fauci from the CDC, hopes that Corbett's role as one of the scientists behind the vaccine should be a sign um, of hope for Black Americans who are hesitant to trust the vaccine. Yeah, I just, I think it's so interesting that like, I didn't even know that Dr. Corbett was even part of making the vaccine. I never heard about it until we started researching for this episode. And I really think that she needs to be talked about more because I think that it would help, you know, decrease the hesitancy amongst the black community to get the vaccine. I mean, like there's been a lot of distrust in the community about like just medical health in general, because in the past we've been tricked and, you know, abused by the medical, medical health Taken system. advantage of. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like a huge part of history that a lot of black people talk about when they talk about the distrust of the medical community is the Tuskegee experiment that started in 1932. It was conducted by the United States Public Health Service, which is under the government. And so, you know, it was like, like you government... think that you can trust them. Exactly. And so like, you know, these, it was 600 black men. Some of them had syphilis, some of them didn't. And they were told that they were going to get free medical care. They were going to get free meals and burial insurance, you know, and it's such a great deal. Of course, like a lot of them were like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to do this, you know, and once a week they'd go and they, you know, get their free medical exam. But in reality, in quotes, in quotes <laughs> as you yeah. say, free medical treatment, that's in quotes. Yeah. Free medical treatments. Um, and in reality, they were actually being studied and seeing how syphilis attacked the body and deteriorated the body. And even when you know, penicillin came out and that was the it was known as a treatment for what they had. They yeah. didn't it. They didn't, they didn't use it. They refused, they didn't even tell them that they had syphilis. They were unaware of, you know, the condition they had. And a lot of them died. And once it became known that this experiment was going on, obviously it was deemed unethical, but it but it, it was still it. terrible. Like yeah. they were clearly being taken advantage of. They were clearly being lied to. They were clearly being abused and mistreated. And it was on purpose. Yeah. Like it was, it was on purpose. Yeah. And it's so terrible to think about. And like, it's so understandable that a lot of the black community still has, you know, issues and distrust with the medical community. And I think that if the media had worked harder or even this the government had worked harder to really put Corbett's role Dr. Corbett's role as one of the scientists on the Moderna research that a lot more people would have been willing to get the vaccine at a sooner mm -hmm. rate than they have been but um, it's definitely understandable because it, I mean we've definitely made progress in our country as far as racial issues go but by no means by no means is it acceptable even at this point the way that black people in our country are treated so i mean i can't speak for any person of color myself but like it is 100% acceptable to hear that people are having having reservations about this like just learning about the tuskegee experiments like that's insane like i just 
I can't even fathom that that is real. Like it, like, honestly, I'm speechless. Like, I can't believe that anyone would do that to any human being. So, I mean, hopefully Dr. Corbett's role in this provides some sort of comfort to people, but honestly, like in that situation, unless you've gone through it and I can't, so I can't speak to it. Like you just you really, you can't speak for it. Like there's no words. You can't so. imagine, like you can't, you almost get like, if you want to, to trust it. people, but I understand, you know, why you wouldn't. Yeah. It's not like they've ever been on your side before. So why would they know. be now? You know, you, and you, you hope they are, you hope yeah. they are. You don't want to assume the worst in people, but also it's not like they have a good track record. <laughs> I hate to say that, but it's yeah. like, <sighs> Celeste told me about the Tuskegee experiment while we were preparing for this podcast. And honestly, I don't know what you said my face looked like. Like, yeah, you were I, saying- I was just gaping. I like my mouth, my jaw was just like on the floor. Like, I just can't, Im- like, I mean, I don't know. I just yeah, can't. I think- when terrible. I told Kennedy about it, he had like this, first he had this face of, like shock. And then like, she just looked, so like defeated mortified. like mortified like, defeated yeah who you treats know? people like this so I mean I definitely want black people in our country to be able to trust you know those in power and those around them but also I understand that you know that's okay. maybe not be that may not be realistic you know because exactly I mean it's not like they've ever showed you that why they can or yeah why you should trust them they've never never been able to and so I mean like at the end of the day I think that you know a huge part of this month is to truly look back on the history you know I used to do a lot of diversity equity and inclusion consulting um and I always tell my clients like we have to look back on history to learn the mistakes that we did then to make sure we don't make those mistakes now because you can learn so much from your history and it shows like how things went based on the choices you made then but also it shows like when you look back on your history, you realize that really we all can contribute in our own ways and everybody should, like everybody needs to be on equitable footing. It's not equal footing, but equitable footing is what mm-hmm. we all need to be on. Mm. Um, I love the distinction between equal, equal and equitable. It's so relevant in so many things when people say, oh, well, everyone's, it's fair. And I'm like, yeah, it's fair, but is it equitable? Exactly. Like, I mean, like the, the difference between equal is like, you know, I guess like a lot of, like you see a lot of pictures of people trying to see like a baseball field and they mm. all get to the same like level of a stand to st- stand on, even if somebody's shorter or taller. And so even if so, like the very, very short person may not be able to see over the fence and the very, very tall person might be, you know, having the best view of their life. But yeah. in reality, the really, really tall person who could see over the fence in the first place doesn't, doesn't need the stool at all and should give his to the short person so the short person should get two you know yeah it's I've seen that example before um with like modes of transportation it was like equality is giving everyone a bike but like equitable is giving someone you know who's paralyzed a wheelchair and someone who's not a bike and then someone who's a child like shouldn't be or not a child um maybe it was cars maybe it was cars I don't know you get the point like yeah equality is giving everyone the same thing equity is giving everyone what they need exactly and that's what we need to do as a country and we can you know we can look back and see what us not doing that has done and then we can mm-hmm. also we can look forward and see what we can do to make that a reality yeah so i think we also need to acknowledge that like the american history we learned about in school or like from whoever taught us our history or what we think and what we believe even in the media or wherever even in history books, like published works of literature may not be 
and most likely is not the history that actually occurred in this country. And we have to, especially people not of color need to realize like, dude, this isn't what happened. And we need to go out and educate ourselves. Like we need to consciously, you know, sit here and reflect and be like, okay, we've been lied to by white people who have been running this country. And you need to go educate yourself because half the stuff you've been told isn't what happened. And if you keep believing that, like there's, there's going to be no room for improvement if you can't like admit that there needs to be change, you know? I'm nodding my head furiously for anybody who can't. <laughs> I'm not, nodding my head behind the camera on Zoom. Behind the camera, I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you uh, go, white girl. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just like Kennedy said, like, you know, it might be one of the shortest months in the whole year. It's a whole other thing to talk about. That's funny, but, actually, because there's only 28 days. Yeah, a lot of people talk about that. Year. Exactly. Is it really a leap year? No, I said, I, I don't oh, know. I was like, I don't know anything. I don't yeah, know. I was like, whoa. Um, so the, we get the shortest month of the year to celebrate such a long, rich history. But like, let's do our best and try, like, you know, do our best to educate ourselves on this history and celebrate the lives, the accomplishments, the contributions, everything about the Black community this month. Let's do it together. And don't just do it this month. Do it forever. Be a good human. If you're racist, you're trash. I'm sorry. Like, Get be up. a good human. Get up. All the time. Like, treat people nicely. All the time. That's all I have to say. Like, yeah. if you're not, I'm like, we're just fighting. Treat people with kindness. Like, we're put on this earth for such a short period of time. If you're wasting your time being a heinous human being, I'm sorry. It's not what you're supposed to be doing. It's a big word heinous man don't be heinous <laughs> yeah, it is. but moral yeah. of the story don't be heinous don't be hate snap the finger don't, don't be, heinous. be heinous not today not tomorrow not ever <laughs> anyways anyways that will conclude our episode one of Black History Month. Thank you guys for tuning into another episode of Two Broke 20-somethings. And be sure to follow us on all of our social medias, which will be linked in the show notes. We would appreciate it if you listen to our podcast. We can keep these things going. My name's Kennedy. And I'm Celeste. And we will see you next Tuesday. Bye.